Hi, this is Day for Night with Karidatsvich, a series that looks at the intersection between theater and poetry, and the edgelands, and the wilderness. In today's episode, I'm going to read uh, some selections from my play, uh, The Breath of Stars. which is a play that takes place in cyberspace, mostly, uh, and in interstitial places online, and also in the real world, <laughs> but mostly online. And it's a rumination and meditation on elements of Shakespeare's The Tempest, but looked at from a post-colonial lens. and a cybernetic lens. So uh, the piece is composed as a series of poems that are woven together. This is poem number 12. Sudden shift to the non-floating world, Ariel's everyday life in the blue of the computer screen. Blink, blink. In the wakened world of coffee brews, Ariel wrestles with the car keys. They are stuck in the damage, she cries, out to the heavens, as if the heavens would answer. Blink, blink, the screen pulses. Not now, love, I can't, I'm... But something in her wants to. Okay, just this once. But that's it for today. How many times has she said that? The Facebook page is full. Prospero was dancing in a picture in some city made of strings. When was this? Where was? Wait, this was not real. This did not. Whoa. Ariel drops the car keys. She bursts into blue tears. The floor is a river that runs through the terrace and out her door and into the sea. She swims through the ocean in search of the city of strings. She pushes through the thick waves, ache in her lungs, Ache, she gasps. Her breath is like smoke, like the language of smoke and tears. Ache, the blue of everything swims through her veins as she wrestles the waves and threads through coral reefs, letting bits of rock cut through her skin in this sea of dreams, in this sea of him that is not him, but some one thing else. Sheer, tangled, rotten, broken, aching, bitter, lucid memory. Pillars of inky blue caress her toes. She lets her car keys fall straight to the bottom of the ocean into nothingness. Let no one find me, she says. Let my little world crumble and eclipse into the blue of all screens and all seeds. Shift to the hospital. In the hospital, the boy Ariel watches the woman who cannot remember caress the young man Caliban as if they were lovers, newly born onto this earth. The woman's arthritic fingers charm the soul of the young man who has never been to Roseland. I am yellow-dressed sunflowers, the woman says with a smile. And you are, you are, moonbeam fritters, blue shoes.
Young man wonders if he smells of fritters and tries to catch his reflection in the mirror of the common room. Glint of moon on his eyelids. His blue shoes are faded and torn and got holes in them. Someone should take care of me, he says. What happened? What happened to me? Was it an accident? The woman who cannot remember holds him in her burning hands. Quiet now. Moonbeam, fritters, blue shoes, she says. Quiet. The world will save you. For a moment, as they dance this curious dance of love and misremembrance, the young man remembers something from his past, maybe when he was seven or a little younger. Fragment wisp blur of him running through the yard, filling his pockets with stones, emptying his insolence upon others. Stones thrown with rage at figure across the street, can't see the face, but the figure tries to run from the sting of the stones thrown by the young man when he was once a boy. Figure stops, stones bleed in blasted memory. The young man sees the figure on the street dying, the figure stoned by his stones, pummeled by his fury, breath. The young man stops dancing. Moonbeam, fritters, blue shoots, fades. He hides his head in a corner of the common room. What have I done? The woman who cannot remember, the woman who calls herself yellow dress sunflowers, leaves her arms in the air where the young man once stood, framed and longing. If this were Roseland, you would have kissed me by now, the woman says to no one. And she is right. The young man slides down the common room wall, cursing the shock of memory. He curls his hands into fists and shoves them into pockets, hard, wanting to sink his hands as if into ocean, deep, buried, stink, no mercy. The woman who cannot remember lets out a laugh. Sweet like iced tea in summer days, she presses her skirt with her hands and watches the afternoon fade into scraps of sunlight. The woman who cannot remember looks out the window and wonders where she is and why she cannot recognize anyone and why that young man in blue shoes looks so sad, angry, and bolted to the earth. The common room hums with antiseptic silence. Occasional ring of bells down the hospital corridor. The boy who is the girl's brother, the boy who is not really a boy but makes everyone believe, spins a tale of yearning for a terrace with leaves where he was once left his sister standing shift to the girl on the terrace Miranda wicked is he for staying there Miranda shouts against the blanket of the night she is tearing at the leaves on the terrace and making herself a dress her hair and torso are already covered in leaves, put together with glue and string. She has been working feverishly in the blistering breeze, unseen by her parents, who have gone away to a friend's party. Before the end of night, Miranda has promised herself she will cover her entire body with leaves, and in this dress of browns, greens, and burnt amber, she will slip through the fabric of night and find her brother and bring him back home. The leaves stick to her skin. Her hands ache from trying to make the leaves do her bidding. She is thirsty. She eats the leaves. She drinks their poison with relish. Her thighs and legs and feet smell of rain and pollution. She scales the terrace like a superhero on a mission. She shouts, 
echo of memory. She steps through the air as if a tree and lets the wind carry her to destiny. And those are some pieces from The Breath of Stars. And I'll close out today's um, episode with a few selections from a beautiful book called A Sand Book by Ariana Rhines, the poet. Uh, and yeah, so I'm just going to read a poem called Legend. It happened in the dire time, that time of the month, men were smelling my availability and others smelled it too. I'd bled on everything there was to wear, dilated and exuding heat, while sun motes shook the trees, and all the birds were singing. A face made of flame appeared, inches from the face of my teacher. A light rushed toward me. And Julian in a cornfield, and from the ordinary, none of it could be braided away. I made a fist. The light went out. Love it, I begged. The light reappeared and moved toward us more gingerly, more politely now, and abided with us the whole night, dancing and changing its shape, seeming to disappear into the lights of passing cars and seeming to dissolve into fire, spreading fast across the fields. I smelled the woman's perfume and felt the pressure at the top of my head as from something that wished to descend. Leave me alone, I said with my thought. I'm taking a shower now. I took the shower, but all was strange. Afterward, I climbed a ladder. The heaviness was still on me. I found my friend had put a beaded cloth beside the westernmost window of her house. Feathers and tobacco were laid on it. It depicted three peacocks and some words in a foreign script. And the sight of it, I found myself racked with sobs. More grief was pouring from me than I could comprehend, and I was one not unaccustomed to grief. This was the sorrow of a whole people. It feels strange to declare. It was yet stranger to behold passing through me. I was not the one in tears. It was. There began my history, following a birth through the sand and its people. And then the next poem is called Arena. Because that light was not like the others, making us seem to be becoming a place, and because on a traffic island the sun had filled me, and because my mother was crazy, and because she was sometimes sane, and because I was in love, and then I wasn't in love anymore, and because I was hungry, and because I needed to party, and because I was grieving, and because I had studied the Dust Bowl, the architecture at Delphi, Judaic and Islamic legends of Moses, Midianite theology, the history of Haiti, Aryan horsemen of ancient Iran, the collapse of Sumerian agriculture, Kundalini yoga, Alan Savory's and competing theories on desertification reversal, ancient and contemporary methods for ruminant grazing, grasslands and myths of grasslands, those hoppy stories that can be found in books, Roman, Paraspecy, 
Hellenistic Astrology, The Life of the Marquita Sod, one or two novels, one or two volumes of poetry, Bulgarian choral singing, elements of contemporary sculpture, certain Gnostic scriptures, my own appetite, and because you can pay a professional to cleanse you of demons with a chicken egg, and because the air filled first with the odor of cheap men's cologne, and then of human excrement over warming Pop-Tarts. And because one morning in Santa Monica, a woman emerging from a store was heard to say, they don't have guns in the toy store, to which her man replied, I know, he was seated beside a child. We'll get it in another toy store, said the man. And because an ugly incense was emanating from House of Intuition, and because Kabir wore a peacock feather in his cap and Krishna had one in his turban, and because King Solomon brought peacocks, took you in a boat back from Tarshish and because I fell down sobbing over a beaded cloth and because what I had for so long failed to see what I had ignored, mistaking it for ornament was information hiding in plain sight and because there was no way to touch what was converging on us and because once there were oil pits near Ardorica and a pitch spring on Zacanthus's and because Iris was the messenger of the gods I'd forgotten and because The iridescence in the peacock was due to a complex photonic crystal, and because that crystal was silica, and so, for the most part, was sand, and likewise the stones, to which desolate people increasingly communicated their wishes. And because glass was melted sand, and Johnny Cash was attacked by an ostrich, and because pens used to be made of feathers, and because Chopin and George Sands had been miserable on Mallorca, and because there were dust storms on Mars, and sandstorms in China, and Israel was investing heavily, and anti-desertification efforts and because Papa Dog had shorn Haiti's mountains of trees and when dust from Azerbaijan flew into Tbilisi I lay with a nihilist in a fenced-in woods and when strange lights appeared at the height of the spruces there was dust on our tongues and because I navigated by the kind pine cone in my skull, same as everybody else, and because a bird had alighted on the lectern of Bernie Sanders and Mozart, kept a para as a pet, and because the mute son of Kensaburo Oe had learned speech from records of birdsong, and because of the bird friends of Odan and Massab, and because the gizzards of fowl were iridescent, and likewise the pearl, and likewise the viral unicorn frappuccino, and because Big Sur was on fire and a hot wind was blowing over the hem Miller Library, and because in Paradise, California, people burned in their cars, and because the bullets kept flying, and because the relentless spread of stupidity was allegorized in Flaubert's novels by grains of sand, and because idiocy came down onto Baudelaire on the wind of a wing, and because the less we could agree, the more it seemed we were revolving into a gem. And that was Arena. Uh, two poems from a sand book. And that's today's episode. As always, this is about you and I in this theater. You there in the dark. And I here, wondering who you are. Thanks for listening. Today for night. <laughs>